Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful summer day that you've given us to come here and worship together. This little body of believers, this powerful group, this part of the body of Christ that you have assembled together, this group of loving children, this amazing group of loving children that hunger for your truth, the real Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you'll continue to grow us in our relationship and our understanding of you and our knowledge of you and our relationship with you. Only you, Lord. Help us, Lord, that we hear your will for our lives for each day clearly. And when we know that we hear you, we will not even need to conflict. We will not consult flesh and blood. And then we will do everything in our power to get it done. All the grace you've given us for that day, we'll spend it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15, around the 26th verse. Put down a bunch of scriptures so I can streamline this without reading the whole chapter to you every time, which I prefer to do, <laughs> as you know. Matthew chapter 15, tell me when I find it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> there was a woman that Jesus. Went way out of his way to see here. From the land of Canaan. A Canaanite woman. This is one of the few people that Jesus ever said had great faith. And it starts in the 21st verse. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman... From that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. What he really said was, Anything you want, you have it. That's how that would really translate. Whatever you want, you've got it. I need to explain the attitude Jesus seemed to have toward this woman because it seemed very off-putting and rude. It wasn't. Jesus was sent here, born under the law, to fulfill the law. Amen? What he meant was he was sent here for the, for the Jewish people first. She had no right to approach him on a covenant basis, you see. Yet. But even so, what he recognized her in her, and and this is something that I've seen over the years. When people want deliverance, I, I, there's a there's a minister that I, I know that well he's passed on now, but he said that deliverance is for the desperate, and he would even send people away from time to time, saying you're not desperate, come back when you're desperate. And I've seen and and I took that in. I didn't know whether to, I know how to judge that, and I've watched over the years, and I've seen there is some truth to that. You can't put God in a box, but there is some truth to that. I know another minister, and he one time he was doing the deliverance ministry, and uh, on this one certain night, this this man with a uh, he was he had a, a 
demonic spirit of uh, homosexuality. He showed up there to be delivered. And at the time, the man was just doing it. He had a partner he was working with, another minister. It was still kind of new and, and things weren't. <laughs> they did some weird stuff back in the 70s. But he was afraid. He told the guy, no, I can't do it tonight because his partner wasn't there. And he got used to certain things, they, you know, whatever way they did things. And the guy said, I'm not leaving. I'm, you, you're going to pray for me. You're going to, you know, he was desperate. He was, he was there to be freed of this thing. And he said, well, all right. So they were in this little side room like, and you know how you have these chairs, not folding chairs though, but the kind of stack, you know, they were all in their room and stuff like that. And and he went <laughs> he went to pray for this guy, and man, this the demon came alive, and uh, they can be quite strong, and just sort of tossed him across the room, and uh, was climbing the walls and stuff. And uh, I, this is not a <laughs> not unusual, actually. This is as you might think. You just don't see it on the six o'clock news. <laughs> They'll try to explain it away in some scientific way, but nevertheless, he started praying all these prayers and everything. <laughs> and then it just came to him, it was simple, he, he just thought of something that Jesus had done one time, and he said, shut up and come out of him in the name of Jesus. And the guy just fell to the floor, and he was free. But... I just want to point out that this woman, this, this woman who wasn't even in covenant with God, she had come to the Lord and she, her faith was so great that she said, I, I don't need much. I mean, he had called her a dog already, you know. And see, dogs, he was talking, referring to the covenant again. He, Jesus wasn't in the habit of being rude. He could be quite frank. But one of the unclean animals was a dog, you see. And he was just saying, you're outside of the covenant. I'm not here for you. And she begged him anyway, knowing that he was the one who had the help she needed. And she said, but I don't even need much. So she humbled herself already. You think, you know, we pay more for our dogs in this country than most nations uh, gross national product. Just for their outfits and stuff. So you may not think it's that big a deal. Because you like people you like dogs better than people anyway. <laughs> but you go over to the Middle East, they really that's really an insult. Nevertheless, it didn't bother her. She she humbled herself. She was desperate. There was humility present. And then her faith, she said, I don't need much, just a crumb. Just a crumb is all I need to take care of this huge problem. And he was blown away. He said, lady, you got it. But how many, how many believers today, real Christians who have a covenant with the risen King of Kings and Lord of Lords are, are dying Hoping that God will do something. Not knowing that it's all part of the part of the ticket price. You know what I mean by that? There's a story of a man who, who came from Europe one time. He saved all he had just to get the passage on the, the freight liner that would bring him to America. Toward the end of the trip, the steward of the cabin, on the last day, he said, why, why have you never come to eat meals with us? You know, they serve meals three times a day. He said, well, I saved all I could just for the passage on the, on the ship. 
I didn't have anything extra for my, for food, so I just had a little cheese and these things that I could store in my bag, and I've lived off of it. He said, but sir, it was all part of the ticket price. It was included. That's where a lot of Christians are. They just don't know what they have. They don't know who they are. And for that reason, people are sick and dying and hurting. I have friends. I know lots of ministers. You talk about stage four cancer, things like that. You you get in the presence of the right people, and, and I mean, and I'm here to tell you today that that's nothing to God. There's no big C to God. You know, a big C that we refer to as cancer, or the you know a little C, which may be a cold or something. No, no, no difference to God. Nothing hard for Him. We have literally seen thousands upon thousands of people healed completely, miraculously of that. And I have friends that you will meet. And they'll stand here in this pulpit and they'll elevate the level of faith in this room so much that there will be things like that take place. I, I look forward to things like that happening here. I have a friend that went to uh, visit, uh, what's that one that has a college named after him in Tulsa he passed on? Oral Roberts. He went to visit Oral Roberts before he passed away. He was sick and some of the some ministers got to go and visit with him at his in his bedroom, you know. And he said, What do you want to this one guy? And he said, I, I want you to I want an impartation. I want greater manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit and, and things in, 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 in our uh, in our settings. And he said, I, I can't do it. He said, why not? He said, because you're a pastor. He said, no, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I have a a traveling and preaching and teaching ministry. And he said, oh, okay, in that case, I'll do it. He did it. What did he mean by that? Why was that a thing? Same, Same reason Jesus couldn't heal too many people in his own hometown. Familiarity breeds contempt. Not that you have contempt for me. I know you don't. I know you love me. This is the this is a wonderful place, and I'm thankful for that. Believe me, a lot of pastors don't have that. <laughs> tell you about the tell you about the guy that <laughs> didn't want to go to church one day. His wife woke him up. He said, ah, "I don't want to go." She says, well, <laughs> He says, "I I don't want to go. I don't I don't like the building. I never have liked that place." I give you three reasons. <laughs> And uh, the people there don't like me, and I don't like them. She goes, well, I'll give you three reasons you're going. She goes, because, because, <laughs> because I'm, I'm going. I got up and got dressed. I got the kids up and, and dressed, and they expect you to go. And you're the pastor of the church. But that is how a lot of ministers, and, and some walk in special anointings and, and gifts of healing and things like that and miracles, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. And other time, the Holy Spirit will just uh, use uh, someone in the midst to, to, uh, and, and, and give a, impart a gift to, to help someone, always to edify. But, but really, the greater significance or, or stress or, or what I... My main thing here is to really to teach you, to train you to walk in power and victory all the time. And to be able to command the provision of God at any time and any place yourself. Now, uh, both are good. I, I, I love any, any, anything that's good and that's of God is, is good all the time. But... The majority of some people have to receive that way. And they go from conference to conference to meeting to goosebump to this to that, you see. I nothing against anybody. I, I love that sort of thing too. When I have time, I just don't have time. 
I would rather, because 99% of the time, you're going to be alone, folks. And that's when I want you to still walk in power and victory and authority and confidence in God and in who you are and what you have. Amen? Amen. I've only gotten to one scripture. <laughs> so, the, you know, you hear me talk about denominational differences and things like that. And I'm, I like to make fun. But I'm not against anybody. I love them all. They're all part of the body of Christ. We're all going to be together in heaven. The pro- our problem I have with them is they, they're living so far below their inheritance. And now that so much information has become made available in this, in this latter rain, this outpouring that has come upon us, they need to wake up and smell the coffee and come on board because there are people in their midst that are missing out because they refuse to budge from their traditions and doctrines of men which are making the word of God of no effect. But there's no animosity. You know, we love everybody. People need to know that everything that we need as believers has already been accomplished. All the forgiveness we need has been provided, hasn't it? You know why it's so easy for you to believe that? Because you you don't have to you don't you can't see it. So you believe that by faith, you wouldn't get saved. But you know, just like forgiveness of your sins has been provided, part of the atonement is the healing for your body. Also for all your emotional wellness and peace. Peace with God and all the provision, everything that you'll need for this life and godliness already been provided. The sovereignty of God is a terrible doctrine. I don't mean that God is not the Alpha and Omega, omniscient, omnipotent. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. He is God. He is God. And we're not. But people teach the sovereignty of God to an extreme that is not biblical, and it is an error, and it causes people to be complacent and just to let the devil come and eat their lunch and pop the bag. I'm going to try to prove a little bit of this. I don't know how far I'll get. I never finish. I just stop and start again. Amen. <laughs> but I want to. I want you. I want to read. He said, "The Bible says the Lord says, come. Let's reason together. Let, let, let's let's find out the truth." Okay. Second Peter three verses nine. I'm trying not to turn because I'll read a bunch. It's not God's will that any should perish. You familiar with this scripture? It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's talking about the fact that, you know, it's been 2,000 years. How come he's waiting so long to come back? When's he coming back? And what he's explaining is it's because of his patience, because of his love for everybody, he doesn't want anyone to perish. So he's waiting. We're hoping that more will come in to the kingdom of God to accept Jesus. We'll repent. This means to change their mind regarding Him <laughs> and accept Him, accept the free gift of salvation. But it's not God's will, is my point, that any should perish, but some do, don't they? All right. Well, if whatever happens is God's will, then how come everybody's not saved? says right there, it's not His will that any should perish. I'm trying to kill a sacred cow here that they've been keeping in a stable in the back of the majority of churches around this country for too, in too long. Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. Wonderful passage of Scripture. I use it to teach about the grace of God. How the grace of God is not a license to sin, but the grace of God empowers and teaches us to live godly lives and so forth and so on. But, in that passage of Scripture, 
It starts out in 2.11. It says, the, the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared to all men. But all men haven't received the grace of God, have they? You see that? All people are not saved. It's God's will that they should be, but they're not. Even though the grace of God that has made the provision for it has, has, has been made available to all men. That's what he's saying right there. Why? Because of unbelief. No surrender to God. Some still won't run up the white flag. My way. My will be done. Instead of God's will. You see? No repentance. No acceptance of the free gift of salvation. For all eternity. Not even all the people that want to be saved. Are saved. You say, wait a minute. I thought you said all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's true. But there's a lot of people that would like to be saved. But they won't come to God because they don't believe that He'll accept them. Oh man, I've made my bed. Believe me, I know a lot of guys like this. I used to be one. Hey, uh, man. Too late for me, brother. I already made my decisions. I'm just going to live with it. No, you're going to die with it. You need to humble yourself and let God love you. I have a well, I want to I want to finish that thought that the forgiveness of God has been provided for everyone. Of course, it has to be accepted by faith. But I want you to know that just like the forgiveness has been provided, so has healing for your bodies. Just like I said, so has provision. All the wonderful things that I talked about. Physical, spiritual, emotional, all been provided for. Second Peter 1 3. His divine power has that's something that's already been done, right? Has granted to us all things that pertain to life, talking about this life and godliness. Skip back a few pages, go to Ephesians 1 3, right in the opening. Same thing. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You know, oh, yes, yeah, see, spiritual in heaven. You don't need, you won't need that in heaven, okay? <laughs> Without understanding spirit, soul, and body, people are always going to be in error. You have to understand that you are a spirit. God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. Created us in His image. We are a spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says we are spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit. With a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions, personality, riding around in a vehicle, a body. This earth suit, temporarily, we'll get a new one. It's going to be better. Amen. Amen. But until you understand where all these blessings and provision and healing and everything are, and how to get them out, they got to pass from the spirit into, through the soulish realm into the physical body. And there's a way to do that. Alright. Y'all with me? I Listen folks, this is so important. It's so important. You know why? We come from every kind of background and denomination. I was a... I don't know what I was. <laughs> I just went, you know, 
wherever I could. Tavana says that she used to just, they used to her and her friend used to just catch whatever whatever uh, happy bus was was coming through their neighborhood and whenever whatever church they they could. Plus they went to their church. And that, that's a lot. What a lot of kids did back in my day, you know. But I, I wasn't a Christian, you know. I said I was. I thought I was, ish. <laughs> but they're being taught crazy things under a lot of denominational delusions, the divisions of man. Again, not against anybody, but I just want to make an example, and this this will kind of help you explain. The frustration. I have a friend. I have a friend whose father passed away when he was two years old. He was sick. He had gone to the hospital. He passed away in the hospital. And he was in the morgue. Then he came back to life and set up and started talking and the orderly wet his pants <laughs> they were Baptists the man who passed away was the head deacon of his this of this church of several thousand people okay they had been holding an all night prayer vigil for this deacon who was sick they didn't even know he died but they were up at the church praying for him to be healed. At a certain time in the night, the pastor of that Baptist church said, Well, I believe he's been healed. I'm going home. And he went home. Turns out that's the exact time that the man sat up in the morgue and came back to life. They knew this. They found, they heard it and they just said, Praise God, it was God's will. So they believed it could happen, you see. They didn't, they didn't disagree that anyone was ever healed. They just didn't think it was a guarantee. They didn't think they were entitled to it. They didn't think it was part of their inheritance. They just said, whatever happens is God's will. If he had died, they would have said the same thing. It was God's will. That's the problem, which they did 10 years later when this same friend of mine was 12 years old. His father died and they came and told him that it was God's will that his daddy be taken to heaven. Now, how is that supposed to make a 12-year-old boy fall in love with a God who would do that? It's a lie. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's will. That's the problem with that kind of teaching, you see? Let's a preacher off the hook. Oh, well, you know. It's like the weatherman. Always want to be a weatherman. Shoot. Weatherman's about as right about as often as that broke clock right there. Twice a day. Nobody blames him, you see? No accountability. And I, there's no accountability to me unless I teach you some nonsense like that. I'm going to... <laughs> I thank God for doctors and nurses and all. Believe me, I had, I had huge surgery. Got me from here to here. If it weren't for doctors, most of Christians would be dead. Because we're not living up to what we are entitled to. But God has better for us. Amen? He doesn't love you any more or any less. Either way. If you believe in for your healing or if you just die. <laughs> it's, it has nothing to do with His love for you. He loves you because you've accepted His Son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen? So let's get that squared away. This isn't about, it's in the condemning message. This is an empowering message. If I provoke you, I'm trying to provoke you to action for good, not for evil. Okay? You know I had heart surgery two years ago last week on the 16th. 
It was pretty extensive. My doctor called it the Blue Plague Special. (laughs) But what I haven't told you is back in 2008, I was healed supernaturally in my heart. I did go to a doctor 12 years prior to the one I went to. That's the last time I went to a doctor, though. And they started telling me all this stuff, and I said, nah, I'll just believe God. And I remember waking my wife up in bed one night and said, I can feel the angels of God operating on me. Two nights in a row, I felt it in my chest. It was like electricity. It was, it was beautiful, and it was, it was, I was just very aware of what was happening. I was, they were, I was being healed. Holy Spirit, angels, whatever you want to say. God was healing me, however he wanted to do it. But, I let it come back. A lot of people do that, you know. I mean, if you come and pray to me and say, man, I have, uh, I have, uh, what's that, lung disease? What's the old name for it? My grandpa died from it. Emphysema. I got emphysema. They say it's pretty bad. Okay. You smell like smoke. You still smoking? Well, yeah. Quit smoking. I can't. Yes, you can. (laughs) Yes, you can. You know what I mean, folks? I mean, have you done what you know to do? (laughs) If I put a gun to your head, uh, I know some big heavy hitters. If they just stood around you with a baseball bat and every time you lit one up, you stop. You would. You can stop. Especially if you have God, then self-discipline is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's in you. You just have to use it. It might be the weakest muscle you have because you haven't exercised it at all. But you got it. People aren't receiving because they have identity crisis. People hear the Scripture... 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have uh, passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's great. And then they never do a thing with it. They They never meditate on that. They never find out what that means. They just, well, it just means I'm going to heaven. It just means I'm not a bad guy anymore to God. I'm a good guy. That's part of it, and that's great. If that's all you ever get out of it, I'll see you when we get home. But there's a lot more. It provides for everything. Everything really is new again. You look in the mirror, you say, well, that ain't new. (laughs) And then some of that old stinking thinking, the first time somebody pulls out in front of you and you... You give them what for, and you say, "Dang, that didn't change either. I guess it didn't work for me. No, that's because it all starts in your spirit, which has been renewed. You have the mind of Christ. You have all the peace, love, and joy you'll ever need for this life in your born-again spirit. But you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work out that which is already within. Amen. I had a, I have a chapter in that book over there somewhere about God's will for his people. And I had a, I wrote a little bit about this, but I had a, a vision, whether it was an open vision or dream or whatever, I, I don't know, but I, it's so clear, I can still see it from God. And it, it had to do with a wagon train, like an old western wagon train. Coming down. I 
I wrote the story kind of like this. Imagine a, a kingdom in a, a faraway land. And the king has other people in another land. And this his kingdom, everything is perfect and wonderful. He has other people he loves in another land far away. And they've all become sick and confused and fearful and sinful, lascivious, all the, all the negative things. They come apart when we just follow the leading of our original father, who was the devil, <laughs> ever since Adam and Eve fell, right? And he goes to his child, and he says, this king, and he says, he tells him about the situation. He says, I want to get them the help they need. And, he, and this son volunteered. I'll go. And so they, they load up this wagon train, okay? This spiritual wagon train with everything they need. All the food and medicine and clothing and all of it. The scrolls, all the information that they will ever need. To not only provide for their needs, but to, to help them to overcome and to prevent all these terrible things from ever coming upon them again. And he takes off on this long journey. And he, they don't hear from him for a long, long time. And so the father sends others to go and find this child who went to help the people. And they find first the, the wagon train with all the supplies and goods and everything that the people needed still on it in a valley, deserted and abandoned. And then they go over the hill and then you find in a village. They, they finally find this, this child of God, of this king, huddled in a in a, in a little shack, in a dark corner, cold and sick. And afraid he'd become just like them. Instead of helping them, he'd become just like them. And they approach him and they say, what are you doing? And he says, what are you doing? Where have you been? Why did you take so long to come and find me? They said, what are you doing? You were sent here to help. We found all the stuff. You never used it. You never gave it to them. You never shared it with them. They're still sick and dying, and now you just like them. This is our story, folks. This is our story. This is what compels and motivates me to try to help conform us as God's people to be the powerful, victorious help. The ones who offer all the healing for where everybody hurts. The empowerment through the promises of God, the love of God, and the provision of God. That's our job. We're sitting here as ambassadors of Christ. This is not our home, and He's coming soon, folks. We are living in the end time. Here are the things that have to happen. Repentance. Times of refreshing. Restoration. And believe me, that's going to happen. The wealth of the nations is laid up for the righteous. You're going to see wonderful things in this last... This, this, this new third great awakening, this revival that that's, we're in the beginning stages of. And then the last R is return. He's going to return and he's coming back, folks, and it's going to be like a thief in the night. He says, yeah, the Lord is, is, is not slack in returning. It's not his will that any should perish. That's why he's waiting. That's why he's patient. He's yeah. hoping that we will get to work and do our job so that he can return yeah. Yeah. and set up yeah. his kingdom here on the earth. Which is going to be wonderful. Yes. Amen. Amen. The victory 
that people keep trying to achieve, the obstacles and the mountains that we are facing, they've already been defeated, folks. Victory is not something that a believer, a spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ is trying to obtain. We just need the attitude of the victorious overcomer that we are. The children of God, the powerful people that we are. You're a peculiar race. I know you all think like something strange is happening to you. It is. But Peter says, be encouraged. Just to get brothers and sisters all around the world are going through the same thing. We need to learn to believe the promises and the provision of God and to protect what we already have. You see, we're not somebody who has to go. I listen to people's prayers and I, I just don't say anything. I listen. I watch. I go places and I hear people and I, I talk to them and I, everything is a ministry to me. Everyone I deal with, everyone I know, it's all ministry to me. Some doors are closed, so I, I don't say anything. When the doors are open and I'm invited in, I do. To the extent that I'm allowed. Sometimes it's like this. We're not, we don't have to ask God and beg God to do things. That's why people are dying. Kenneth Hagin said one time the Lord had a visitation with him. And he was trying to share some important things with him. Everything, of course, if the Lord is going to talk to you, it's going to be important. And he said there was this little demon. They kept running across in front of him. And he was making a heck of a racket. I'm looking at you because you got two new Pomeranian puppies. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Imagine that going on while you're trying to talk to Jesus, okay? And this little monkey of a, of a demon. He said he wasn't no big, giant, you know, thing with horns and teeth. He was, a, he was just, a, just like a little monkey thing. And he's running back and forth and making all this noise and jumping and just trying to interfere. Keep trying to prevent him from receiving from the Lord. And he was getting so mad and he started getting frustrated with Jesus because he was like, I wish he would make him stop. And when he didn't, he got so frustrated because he wanted so desperately to hear the Lord, he finally said, shut up, get out of here. And he did. And Jesus told him, I'm glad you did that because if you hadn't, I couldn't. When Jesus said it is finished... He was done. His work has been accomplished. He handed over the keys and the authority, His authority to us when He left. And He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He didn't sit down because He was tired. We need to start learning to use the authority that we already have. Isaiah 53, 5 says, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. He would say, yeah, spiritually, he, he, he fixed it. Well, that, yes. But if you look it up, this is talking about physical healing. And if you want to see something in the New Testament that talks about that very passage of Scripture that people try to write off as something only spiritual, look at Matthew chapter 8. Thank you for letting me borrow your Bible to look that up. I just thought about that. Maddie. <laughs> Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Because I talk about Isaiah 53 a lot. But it is an Old Testament passage of Scripture. And, and the prophet is describing everything that Jesus went through. And how he was crucified. And he lays it out in a very wonderful, descriptive way. But in Matthew chapter 8, this is when Jesus went to Peter's mother, to his mother-in-law's house. You remember that? 
Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, fever left her. And she rose and began to serve them. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. You hear that? Okay, did he, he fixed them spiritually, right? Or did he heal, heal some sick folks? He, he healed some people that came that were sick, right? Okay, I'm just making sure you see that because the next verse says this. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He's quoting from that same scripture. That same passage of scripture. And it's talking about physical healing. And there's a word called sozo in the Greek. I'm sure you're familiar. It's used over 138 times in the New Testament to describe healing and salvation. And it's an all-inclusive word that not only includes the forgiveness of sins, but also overall total healing and wholeness and provision. That's what we got. So easy for people just to receive their forgiveness for their sins. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. It should be that easy for us to receive the rest of it. Yes. If somebody comes up and starts challenging you and charging you and say, You're not forgiven. You... You, 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 I know who you are. I know what you did, which the devil does that to us all the time. Does it to me every day. <laughs> but you just call him a liar. And the stronger you get in this word and the more of a relationship you enter into with Jesus, you really won't tolerate that. Now, nah, too late. You can't unscramble these eggs, brother. <laughs> I'm freed from all that. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm redeemed. I'm justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. One drop of Jesus' blood is more powerful than anything in this universe. Okay, Lord. Listen. The blood of Jesus... Oh, I want to go on so much. Mm, you need this. When I get back. <coughs> it's the blood of Jesus that qualifies you folks. For the blessing of God. The ministry be accepted of God, to be justified before God. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers you, enables you to live the life of Christ, enables you to minister to people. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that you need to exercise and work out in your lives. Not to be accepted by God. But that's what gives you the character that you need to complete the journey that He has written for your life. How can you complete your journey, your destiny, your calling of God? Let Jesus live His life through you. Amen. Amen. There's so much I want to share with you all right now, but I'm going to stop because I love you. Brains can only absorb as much as your seats can endure. <laughs> Lord, thank you for this day and for your precious word. Thank you for teaching us and growing us in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for showing us, Lord, that we have the victory. We don't have to beg you to do things. You've already done it. 
All we have to do is speak it by faith. Speak to our mountains. Speak to sickness. Speak to disease. Speak to poverty. Speak to strife. Speak to depression. Command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Stand on the promises of God. Speak life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, Lord. Help us to speak life over our situations, over our loved ones, over our work, over our bodies, over our bank accounts. Speak it. Speak it. Don't say what we see or we'll have what we say. Say what you say and we'll have it. You're the God who calls those things that are not as though they were, and then they are. Jesus says, believe that you have what you pray for when you pray, and you will have it. So, Lord, that's what we will do. Thank you for the mountain-moving faith. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the victory that you've already provided, Lord. We don't have to beg you to do anything. You're saying, I've already done it. What else do you want me to do? Just receive it and speak it by faith and believe it. Stand on it. Release your faith. Get your hopes up. Get the vision of what it is that you need and you want. See yourself healed. See yourself whole. See the provision that you're needing and wanting from God. See it to come to pass. And then release your faith. And don't let it rust Don't let it return. Don't let it sit still until it achieves what you've sent it out to do. Faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains those things provided by the grace of God through the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that we are your children. That is a wonderful thing. Thank you that you use the foolish and despised and weak things of this world to confound the wise. So we'll boast in our weaknesses all the more. Because when we're weak, you are strong in us and through us, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.